1: And I think we're live. I'm gonna my intro. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the typical skeptic podcast. You guys are in for a real treat tonight. Um I I just met this woman through through the internet. Uh She's a a, a prolific writer, amazing paranormal, poetic writer, and who I have with me is Anna Maria Manalo. Um, Tonight, we welcome her. She's a paranormal author and researcher. Anna Maria Manalo is the author of Portal, A Lifetime of Paranormal Experiences, The Way Through the Woods, which is about uh, a haunting in World War II Nazi Germany, and uh, her upcoming book, um, uh, no, Sorry, that was a, she has another book, Haunted Heirlooms, and then the, the book, another, her newest book that we'll be talking about today, Sorry, as I stumble over my words, uh, Unholy Structure. So uh, she, And she's traveled throughout the world during her lifetime collecting stories of the supernatural and unexplained from over 27 countries, including accounts of her hometown in San Juan in the Philippines. And uh, just so you guys know, I mean, um, I really appreciate everybody's support. Um, if you could like, comment share subscribe that always helps and i the links in the description if people want to know um how you can help out the podcast we have affiliates the affiliates uh one of them is for this stuff i did the research for it's called It's you can see this one here and you can see mine it's gone i've been using it basically what this stuff does it's an ayurvedic medicine okay and I, i looked up these are potential uh potential benefits this isn't anything like you know for i can't say the fda back this but it says it can help you it definitely helps me with energy okay but it says it can also help with brain function anti-aging anemia antiviral chronic fatigue altitude sickness liver cancer heart health obesity and men's testosterone again none of these statements are backed by the fda but it is cool so it's a way for you to get healthy give me and support the podcast With that said, um, I want to give my guest a big warm welcome, Anna Maria, thank you for joining me, how are you?
0: Thank you, it's a great opportunity to be here. Yes,
1: I I see you're, you're like a really prolific writer, like, before we get into any of your books, like, what made you start writing about the paranormal? Did you always have an interest in the paranormal or would you say you're an experiencer yourself?
0: Uh, I would have to say I am an experiencer myself. Uh, It's a pretty long story because it started when I was still uh, an infant. Uh, Literally, I was only about a year old. Um, And I lived in the Philippines in a hamlet that's probably about maybe 45 miles outside of Manila. Uh, And it was at the time, it was just a small village. Uh, It was an apartment complex that had about nine to 10 townhomes. So it was like a first and second floor. My father made his living as a freelance writer. Um, My mother was a homemaker at the time, even though she was trained as a journalist. Uh, And in that context, they rented an apartment that happened to be, the back of it happened to face a brook and a series of very mature trees. Uh, And the infestation happened in that particular dwelling where every twilight My father would end up seeing something come out, actually literally come out of a very ancient tree in the back of the house. And it would attach itself to the window. Uh, It went on for several months and it got to the point where he couldn't sleep. Uh, The creature looked like, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Mothman Prophecies. Yes. Um, it, It was very much like that and it's a combo of that and the creature in Jeepers Creepers. So you could just imagine what the face looked like. It had the face of a goat, the eyes of a cow, Um, and it it, it was very menacing the way it manifested itself. It was very silent. Um, According to my mother, who was the the only living witness at this point to this event uh, or series of sightings, this thing would come out as soon as dusk fell and he had told her a number of months that it's been there and then one night we had a live-in maid at the time she started screaming she accidentally had opened the door to check in on him and there it was hanging in the window so robert my odyssey into the paranormal started at a very young age because after those encounters my father passed away and we moved in with my grandmother and the rest of the family. and whatever it was followed us there. My grandmother's house was a haunted home because they unwittingly built on top of a Japanese uh, burial ground, uh, incidentally, also World War II. So the bodies were never exhumed. They never really knew that there were, you know there was a massacre that actually happened on that piece of land. And they just simply built developments after World War II. So the interest, I think, was spurned on by that. It brought on a lot of questions for me personally. Uh, I started really looking and delving into the paranormal, not because to me it's entertaining, it's far from that, but really just to discern what had happened to my father. So it was born from that that I started looking into it. So you obviously
1: you had an interest in the afterlife. But um, let me ask you this. Were were stories like very was the paranormal like more normal where like in your town in the Philippines or like um, did you come from a small town? Was it like were like supernatural stories passed down in your culture or like how, how did that go like the cultural aspect in the Philippines of the paranormal?
0: Sure. Um, The Philippines is a very Latino country because it was occupied by the Spanish for 400 years. So because of that, about 99.9% of the population is Roman Catholic. Um, The interpretation of most people, because it is replete with ghosts and all kinds of strange phenomena, people always interpret it as being demonic or something to do with souls that were you know that passed away tragically and for the most part what happens is people make light of it or if they see a sighting it's almost pretty much accepted oh yeah there's a haunting on that road because someone died there oh yeah there was a massacre you know somewhere along and if, even on martial law 1972 um, when martial law was declared, there was a lot of people who were detained, imprisoned, tortured, um, you know, for one reason or another by the government. And, and then that spurned on another set of violent circumstances. So it just goes on and on. This seems to be one of the most un- haunted, um Asian countries in the Pacific Rim.
1: One of my favorite boxers is um, is from your country. I'm sure you've heard of him. I just had to bring it up. Manny Pacquiao.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah, he's a
1: great guy. He's a great. He, I think you know he has an exhibition fight tonight, actually. But I, I follow that stuff. But anyway, I was going to say, did you ever hear stories of the chu? This is, might be off question, but you sure. deal in the paranormal, so I'm guessing you might have heard this. Have you ever heard stories of the chupacabra down there? Because I remember Art Bell used to talk about that. I was a big Art Bell fan.
0: I am acquainted with the chupacabra, but I don't think we have an equivalent per se. Um, Not that I know everything with, you know, all the folklore that's over there. We have quite a number of mythical creatures and creatures that have been seen in the night. Um, We have ones that are vampiric in nature. We even have the version of a Bigfoot. Um, And then we have, of course, the dwarves and the elves. We also have... Shapeshifters, shifters uh, as as they pertain to the American Indian culture and then we have the equivalent of a jinn uh, d-j-i-n-n which is equivalent to a middle eastern culture so I think it's very universal and and that's what I'm discovering more and more that the entire world uh, is pretty uniform in these types of manifestations they give them different names But they're really pretty much the same so i would not doubt it if there is a version of a chupacabra that is out there it seems like there's probably universally a chupacabra that's been seen in every part of the world
1: yeah i it seems like it it seems like this paranormal is more normal than we think like the ghosts, the cryptids like it's it's all very real and i think but with saying that, like um, you enjoy writing about the paranormal, so I guess we could get into what the first one of your books, the one that's a, the bestseller right now. If you could take us through it, um, un- unholy structure. Like, if you could talk a little bit about your process for that and the, the synopsis and wherever mm-hmm. you want to go with that, actually.
0: Oh, okay. So I can, um, with with the time that we have, I, I can talk about unholy for a few minutes. That was born out of actually a Facebook contact. A few months ago, um, well, several months ago now, a gentleman contacted me expressing an interest in having one of his cases turned into a book. Uh, He didn't know how to go about it. He didn't per se want to write it himself, but he was looking for someone who would write something like a memoir, and that's what I do. I write memoirs and, you know, I I put together collections of stories. So I asked him for a few of his cases. I wanted to know about them to just kind of like tell me right on the phone. So we scheduled a number of phone calls. He covered a few of his cases. And out of those cases, this one stood out. Uh, This one is a very unusual and unique type of mansion haunting in that there's a number of ghosts. There's a central figure, which is. A lot more evil than the others that seem to be responsible for wreaking havoc Uh, and the mansion itself actively resists being renovated Um, when people pick up this book they think okay you know are we going to go through all kinds of different uh hauntings and yes you do but the different thing is it's from the perspective of a paranormal investigator himself So he was contacted by the owners owners at the time of this mansion since it's changed hands a number of times to find out what is causing the construction crew to quit midstream. They've already lost three construction crews including the manager and by the time John who is the um, gentleman uh, who is the center point uh, the paranormal investigator from the Harrisburg Earl area paranormal society. He walked in, it was already the fourth construction manager that was on site. So it has changed personnel in the five years that they've been trying to renovate it. And it's changed owners at least three to four times because it of because it, because
1: it's so infested,
0: it's so infested uh, to make matters worse. It is near a cemetery that has been left in disrepair. Uh, and as you'll discover, I won't give a spoiler out, there's a lot of other things as well that are happening outside, not just inside the house, but outside the house. And what I did was when they finally did a little bit of research in, into the history, I included some of that history And I threw in some conjecture, some things that I extrapolated might have happened. Um, so I, in the process of writing this, I used something called flashbacks. I didn't just use present time. I also used a few chapters to actually flashback into the time when it was still the stagecoach. They were still using horses and things of that nature when the house was actually utilized as an inn
1: oh that's so interesting um so what was going what, when did the, when would you say the actual haunting start just started did they start back then or did they start with an incident that happened that turned this all oh, situation like that or was it because I, where the property's made or, or built mm-hmm. on like near a cemetery or all that
0: I, I would say the haunting started when something started happening to the people that were staying at the inn, and the next thing that happened as well is there was a fire and a number of people passed away tragically because of the fire in that inn. And that was probably the only time it was renovated. But the other piece too that people didn't know was that it was also a scene of where several Civil War soldiers had died tragically. And so <laughs> you're you're just putting one top one violent incident after another on the same spot of land. And then there was also a sighting of something that was totally strange. Nobody really could figure it out all the way to the end what it was, but it was a creature that looked like a wolf man or looked like a dog man coming out of the cemetery.
1: Oh my God. So there's (laughs) there's dogmen around there too. That's insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's funny. People think, okay, it might be dog man. It, it sounds like it is. Some people think it might just just be basically like a werewolf. But then a werewolf originates differently from a dog man, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, they do. Like a werewolf, supposedly a werewolf is like a something that. Um, transitions. Like it, it, it starts off a a man, then it it turns into a wolf because it got bitten. Whereas maybe I think a dog man might be like an unclassified species from what I'm, what I gather. I'm not, I'm not real familiar though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really sure about that either.
1: Yeah. Well, this kind of ties into your book portals too, because I was going to ask you, do you think that sometimes maybe it's not the land, maybe it's not the things that happen, or maybe it is all that, but maybe also it's a portal that these people are experiencing because um, you know, if you would have just said ghost, I would have thought, okay, maybe it's an, it's a, an incident related to the house. But now if you have Dogman on, on the scene too, that makes yeah. me think that there's something else going on there, right?
0: Yeah, um, I think that for the most part, and, and this is what I've just observed through the years uh, of reading up on this, listening to stories from different people from different parts of the world. We have a situation where what you would consider normal life, when it's disrupted by strong negative emotion, such as the case when you have a war or you have some kind of violence, be it a murder or a local uh, upheaval, there's a lot of emotions tied to it. And what that does is creatures that are there, that are already present, and I I don't mean three-dimensional, I mean, creatures from a different realm are attracted to negative energy that we put out. So what's happening is it kind of tears the fabric of reality and they enter into our particular level of reality when that happens. Oh and my. then you have got the people who get kind of earthbound. They get stuck, not even realizing that they have passed away because it was so tragic and so sudden that they don't realize that they're dead
1: well i got a question about that i i've heard that before i heard that people die and they don't realize they're dead so here's the here's what i'm saying like if they wake up dead or not wake up you know what i mean if they they Mm really okay maybe they don't realize they're dead but that makes me think is the after and this is a deep question but it makes me think is the afterlife the same as here except maybe without the physicality, because if they're going on living, like they still were alive, but they don't realize they're dead. Do you think that tells us something about the afterlife? Sorry, that's a deep well, question.
0: You know, Robert, I'll tell you, I I really do believe this. And, and I think if I'm quoting the right person, um, someone had said, and it might've been Einstein, don't quote me, but you cannot destroy energy. Energy can only be transformed and universally, you know, If you look at the seven major religions of the world, um, some have actual books that talk about the topic of transformation, how when you talk about someone who passes away, they're passing away in terms of the physical aspect of the life, the body of the person, but not necessarily the energy or the spirit that's within it that moves on and and it's virtually indestructible from what I understand. So if you just take the doctrine and I think it might be Einstein, um, that energy can only be transformed and not destroyed. We're pretty much eternal.
1: Yeah. It seems like we are. It seems like,
0: do you, I lost you there. So it was like, I, but that was my only point of reference at the time can you hear me yep you're back
1: okay I, I can't remember where we were at where, where...
0: well I was talking about different realms and how when someone passes away their energy continues, their oh, okay. continues.
1: So, so do you believe in reincarnation then
0: uh, I do I do I know there's a lot of skeptics out there, and reincarnation is one of those things that's very difficult to prove. Um, I, I think I've seen it in a number of religious texts. In the Bible, it was deleted uh, to the point where it was completely removed. Um, the Bible, the the Roman Catholic Bible, uh the way it sits yeah, right now. Yeah, I agree They took it out of the 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 Council on Nicaea, I think that was, that took it out.
1: Is that it? Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, yes. But if you look at the Dead Sea Scrolls, my understanding is that there is some information there that's intact. Um, There's also other, um, you know, Buddhist religious beliefs tend to believe in reincarnation. Uh, The Tibetans, who were also a sect of Buddhism, also believed in reincarnation um there is some proof and some you know documentation on that they're few and far between but they do exist i'm no expert in it obviously but
1: no i, I agree I, i've had some past life regressions and like i i feel like they were very real you know i i've lived speaking of world war ii as we're we can segue into world war ii with this i'll just tell you real quick but my my i i lived my grandfather's life as a prisoner of war in world war 2 like in my past life regression like i i i i saw everything he went through or at least i thought so i don't know why these memories I'll, or what not memories but whatever they were came into my head i mean i wasn't being guided by the hypnotherapist i was she, you know she just said pick a door and tell me what you see and then next thing you know i'm explaining this entire scene where i'm in this prisoner of war camp and it was just completely wild it was it blew me away to be honest it made me think that either we can grab something from the akash or the akashic records and it's the information is just out there and maybe we get it and or it's actually a memory that my grandfather was sending to me you know
0: it could be a piece of both it could be that it you know everything is recorded somewhere and i'm told that it's the akashic records that actually has everything and it's nothing but an energetic filament uh, you know, it's not something that's actually on the piece of paper or in a computer. It's actually a, an energetic filament a braid somewhere where everything every event in a per, on a personal level and Also, you know in terms of civilizations is recorded on there
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I guess that was a good way to segue into your world war II book like um, You now, you wrote this book. It's called the way through the woods uh, It's about a girl's journey through the haunted World War II woods, right? And could you talk about this? It sounds so interesting.
0: Okay. This book came upon me through an elderly lady that I met at a huge party. And she literally fell into my lap. The way it worked is I was invited to the party and they had closed an entire restaurant. And the table sat about 10 to 12 people a piece. And we were assigned a seating. So I had to look for the little name tag that was on top of the, um, the plate. And she ended up sitting next to me at this dining table. We got to talking as, as people would do. You know, when you have like major weddings, the same thing happens. You get to know the person sitting on either side of you. And she started telling me how she survived World War II Uh, and that she had a very interesting and unique childhood. And then some of it she felt very reluctant to talk about because she was afraid she lived in a very conservative community. So that piqued my interest. So as the evening went on, you know, she was a very talkative lady. She was at that point, I think she was about 89. She started telling me about the uncanny experiences that she had and one of it had to do with the fact that she was a nazi youth and i don't know if you know this about um the nazi or the gestapo campaign they made it mandatory for every german child to be part of the nazi youth by age 12
1: yeah they they would recruit them and and they were they, they almost had like a like a mentality like the spartans like i mean i think the spartans were more brutal but they were like really picky. They really wanted to breed what they thought was like a, well, yeah. you know, like a, some kind of, like, superior white race. Well, this is what they they thought, you know? Um, yeah. And I think it was pretty ridiculous, but I, they were pretty insane about that. They were also, from what I know, they were also really into the occult, right? Remember M- Maria yeah. Orsic and uh, the vril Society and all that? Like,
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. And, and they're just a, a, a very evil uh, society, I mean, obviously. But one of the things that I found refreshing about her is here she was a German girl. And when her story begins, she was only six years old when she hears the loudspeaker that was installed by the Nazis in every corner of the village with Hitler uh, proselytizing to them, yelling at them on the loudspeaker. And that's how her story begins. And then her family is torn apart And because they never were in favor of the regime, they never were in favor of Hitler, um, they were doing a lot of different things in order to help out the local population, the Jewish population, the people who were unfortunately disabled. And that's when they got in trouble. So she was forcibly taken into a Gestapo woman's house. Uh, was told she was going to be a teacher of Nazi youth. I got so a question.
1: You now, who was the Gestapo? Was that like the SS? Is that what they would call that, yeah, Is that the same thing? Like,
0: yeah, they're the elite um, of the Nazis. They're the ones that actually helped to mastermind the um, what he calls the ultimate solution. Uh, so she was forced into that, and that's when she escaped to search for her father who was also forced into labor to make uniforms for the German army. Um, So the way this book came about is after that, I got a hold of her. Uh, She had given me her phone number and we talked through a couple of months uh, until I had the whole entire narrative from her. And then I started penning what would be the first memoir, uh, full length memoir for me. Uh, Sadly, she passed away about two months ago. Um, You know, she was pretty elderly by the time I met her. Uh, But with her, you know, all the stories that she shared is now recorded in a book. Uh, And what's terrifying about it is that it's all true. What happened to her in the German woods, people can't believe it, but it, it did happen. It also happened to her father, who was, while he was up north, escaped as well. And uh, went through the woods and they eventually, you know, encountered other spirits and just very tragic. Uh, And I have to caution the audience. I mean, it is one of the more graphic books that I've written because of the nature of the tragedies that these people underwent. So I guess if you put it and made it into a movie, it would be um, (laughs) R-rated.
1: Well it sounds very intense but like what what was going on in this german forest would you say like did you ever do research on that and like why was it haunted do you think
0: I think because there were so many things that were happening in the forest itself if you recall uh sometime at some point in the war the germans were taking um civilians uh and people who had t- they had taken into internment camps they would march them into the woods and at the edge of a river they would just shoot them one by one and you would find their bodies floating in the water or they would have them digging mass graves and then shoot them on the head so that they fell right into the open pit. So there is a particular scene that's uh, pretty graphic. Uh, It involves Her father, and her name is Krista, Krista's father was making his way through the woods and as he became exhausted, because he was also hiding uh, from the Germans at the same time, he came upon uh, a ridge and he thought he heard people talking just past the tree line. So he climbed in stealth on the top of the ridge and in between the trees, he witnessed a whole line of townspeople who were being shot one by one so that they (laughs) fell into a river. There was a whole line of German soldiers, and as soldiers go, some of them can be pretty young, as, as young as 18 when they're recruited. The one that was closest to him between the trees was a young man that, I think Krista had mentioned to me, looked like he was about 18 18 or 19. He couldn't handle what he had done. He walked away from the rest of the troops and was actually coming pretty close to her father where he was hiding. And he walked up and shot himself in the head. Oh, my God. He fell almost within inches of him. So there was blood splatter, um, you know, because it was a head wound. Uh, it just jettisoned all over the place. Uh, he dropped to the ground. And then father, in terror, started running and he fell and he started rolling down the embankment. He then, I guess, out of exhaustion fell asleep and then he came to the next morning and he was afraid to to even look back at what he had seen on the ridge he climbed up again and I guess it must have been just out of curiosity to see what had happened if the guy had survived I don't know why anybody could survive that and he looked and Robert there was no body there it was just simply trees where there was a river, the river was still there, but there was nothing else. The grass was growing. It was completely intact. So he thought maybe he was dreaming until he looked, walked past the trees and emerged to the other side to further inspect the ground. And he found a German Nazi medal with bloodstains all over it. Wow. So what you're seeing is a reenactment. You've got to remember these wars last years. And um, it must have happened at the beginning of the war because now we're going towards the end of the war. I think it was probably about 44 or 45 at this point. And um, whatever was lying there must have been cleaned up. All those remains must have been somehow disposed of. But then he realized what he had seen was a reenactment of something that had transpired a number of years back.
1: That's it. That's it. That's insane. Wow. And then did this like continue on? I mean, obviously this continues on. So they they witnessed other things as well. Or mm-hmm. I mean, like. So, it, and, and, and then, and then just, I don't want to ruin the story, but I'm, well, obviously she made it out cause she met you. So, that, <laughs> so the, the story probably has a positive end for that, but like, I mean, this is a, this is so weird. It makes me wonder like why go- ghost scenes replay for us over and over again. Like, do you think it causes like some kind of, um. Because, uh, like, I don't know. I used to listen to Art Bell back in the day. You know, coast to coast. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I always bring up Art Bell because I know other people have said this, but it it just makes me think. This makes me think of Art Bell and ghosts. And I used to listen to Art Bell every year when he did that Ghost to Ghost show, where people mm-hmm. would call in and tell their ghost stories. Do you remember that?
0: Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, it
1: was it was it was fun stuff, you know. But why why I say that is so many times he would get the person that would call with the uh haunting that played over and over again the i think you call that a um i can't think residual is that residual haunting it's
0: it's residual haunting uh and what you're looking at there from what i understand and, and i've witnessed this happening a number of times when i was a kid um someone dies tragically unexpectedly the emotion then of course that comes with that is very high very negative um people leave imprints of their energy on the environment the environment is like a record um if you went to and i and i know i i went to one of them i went to auschwitz and i also went to belgian belson um and i think birkenau was another one i went to and and you will feel to this day a certain type of energy Uh, I was was just going
1: to say that, did you leave an imprint on the energy? Like the energy field, do you feel just down when you're there?
0: Right, you feel down, you feel cold, there's a heaviness, Um, there's a malice and a loneliness that permeates the area. So people leave energetic imprints and they also replay what tragedy has happened to them because they're trying to it's almost like you're trying to undo it or try to replay it to learn what could be done to prevent it that's what i think it's about
1: and then like how do you think they ever do you think like like a residual ghost like escapes that torture like of like uh, I mean, like, God forbid, if someone killed themselves and then they had to relive that over and over and over again, that would be horrifying. Like, do, I mean, like, is that That's why right. people do clearings and stuff? Or is the ghost not able to make it out on its own? You know, to, no. I guess to cross over to whatever we would call like heaven or another dimension or, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Just, you know, you've heard of people say sending them to the light. And you've got people who are out there uh, who do that. Who do it for free or try to get someone uh, who is some in some way, shape, or form more versed, better versed at helping people release them from being being on the land, remaining on the planet as opposed to ascending and finally going into the light or as we would experience it going into a tunnel of light. um but you know how many people have died tragically on this planet right now. I mean, it's a pretty violent one. There's a lot, so you're seeing a lot of earthbound spirits. You're, you're going to see a lot of um, residual tragedies being replayed.
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's. Oh yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, that's that's exactly it. Um, is there anything we might else we wanted to cover on um, the uh, the way through the woods before we move on to one of your other books? I don't want to give.
0: Yeah, I think that The Way Through the Woods is probably one of those books that um, I would say of all the ones that I have written, this is the one that kind of like flowed for me. Um, as the writer of the book, it was one of those narratives that was so powerful that I felt her emotion and I certainly hope I was able to convey that in the reading of the book
1: that's all. I think that's beautiful that you were able to do that for her. You know what I mean? Someone that like I mean, because at least now, wherever she is and and, and, and what, what we don't even understand is the afterlife. She can probably look down on you and and the people that are reading her book and like feel some kind of solace that, you know, someone wrote her story and told her mm-hmm. story, you know.
0: I hope so. I certainly hope so
1: that's a beautiful way to look at it though. You know, I I, I like to think that our, I, I like to think that our loved ones and those that are on the afterlife kind of look over us and they kind of maybe even get involved in our affairs or, or kind of guide us a certain way or look down on us or um, even acquaintances like, like you met, like, you know, they, they maybe, the, maybe the other sides, like, you know, amazing place where you can make the universe bend to your will. I've had people come on my show and say that, like, if you want something on the other side, because the law of attraction here, he, he kind of compared it to, he said, so, you know, maybe someone could be reading your book. I said this before on my show. Maybe someone could be reading your book in France or in Germany, and she could be, go to that place and watch them read her book. You know, that's yeah. the that's kind of way I like to look at it. But like, how do you view our, our loved ones and others that, in the afterlife? Do you, and what do you feel about the afterlife?
0: Well, I think that, you know, as I said before, you can't really destroy energy, you can only continue it. And in this case, I mean, I've had a lot of signs and I've had um, relatives who passed over recently send me pretty powerful signs. I had an uncle who passed away that I was very close to uh, back in uh, 2013. And with his passing within hours, he sent some very concrete signs. He was, he liked Vicks, you know, Vicks VapoRub. Yeah.
1: So
0: that has a particular scent. And um, I remember waiting outside for a couple of his friends who was taking me out and my mother uh, out to lunch just to kind of get away from all the planning that we had to do. Consequently, and this was out in L.A. And I'm standing there and the only thing around me at the curb were basically bushes, there were no eucalyptus, no lavender, nothing like that. And suddenly it was a very overpowering scent that assailed me. And then I identified it and I thought, okay, we're we're talking Vicks VapoRub. I mean, who carries a jar of Vicks VapoRub around?
1: No one. That's no a sign. One,
0: my uncle. <laughs> and there I was standing at the curb, watching the traffic, waiting for this car to stop you know, at the curb and and I'm looking around and there was no one near me at the time. So
1: I would say that's definitely a sign.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So Um, I'm sorry, I'm I'm sorry.
0: No, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say it was a good sign because we had promised each other that whoever went first would send something that was totally undeniable.
1: That's so cool. Um, uh, And we have two more of your books to talk about. I don't know how much time we'll have. We've been going about 40 minutes. So, I mean, this next one I really wanted to get to uh, because, like, I told you, like, my girlfriend would be really interested in this. Haunted Heirlooms. Like, she used to have an antique store. So, I figured she would have a, an interest in this. And, uh, I mean, like, how did you get into writing this? And, like, I can just imagine the stories that, like, you have about this stuff because – haunted antiques sounds so interesting. Like when someone gets an item and then they realize that thing's haunted, it has to be so like bizarre, right? And then also curses and uh, spells can be put on items too. I don't know if you wrote about that, but like, I'm sorry, I'll let you explain. Sorry. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, haunted heirlooms came about because I collect antiques. Um, And the first article of antique that I actually ended up uh, having happened when I was still in college. I went to a university in Connecticut, and because we were so close to New York, we would literally just hop on the train and go to the flea markets and things of that nature. And, you know, being a college student, I certainly couldn't afford an antique, but one particular Saturday, one particular weekend, a friend of mine had access to a car and he said that there was a flea market nearby so we went to it and in that flea market i encountered a wing chair that was in very good condition it was actually an antique it was something i'm trying to remember now exactly how old it was and my memory fades um, at this point Uh, but it was very nicely um, made you know as antiques go There was really nothing wrong other than the fact that it looked aged. It had a brocade fabric with a beautiful design on it that you've never seen before. I knew it was going to be beyond my reach until I asked the gentleman who was selling it, and he told me it was only $36. So, of course, off it went into the back seat of my friend's car, and we took it back to my dorm. So that's where my adventure begins with Haunted Antiques.
1: I just had to put this comment up. My girlfriend said, Anna Maria, let's go a stage style shopping.
0: (laughs) I have been through those. And let me tell you, you have to be very, very careful of what you... I always tell people, if you don't want to end up with a haunted object, come near it and touch it. Because to me, anyway, the vibration of an object that is inhabited is very different from one that's just simply an object. Um, I wrote about four antique dealers in this particular book that I had known through the years. I'd known them and come back to their shop so many times that it got to the point where they started intimating to me the strange objects that they encountered. And that was the impetus of collecting all the stories. And finally, I put it down on paper. I put it all together, and that's what this book is about. Could uh, you
1: share one of the real weird ones or one of the ones that, that kind of stick out to you?
0: The one that stuck, stuck out to me is a gentleman who was gifted an antique. It was in the form of a lithograph. And this one is a tragedy all into itself because the people who gifted it to him and his wife were what they thought were their best friends who also had an antique shop. And I I can only conjecture why they gave him this print. But the print had caused so much havoc. The business started to tank. People started avoiding his antique shop. And this particular, I don't know if you know what a lithograph is. Uh, It's kind of like, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's in full color. It's a little bit faded like sepia, but what they do is they put the paint on some type of steel, and the steel is the one that's the mold, and then they press it on onto a piece of paper, a special paper, and the imprint is left. So, it's very interesting i actually didn't see the actual lithograph i wouldn't want to look at it anyway but he did send me a photograph of the lithograph and counseled me not to look at it for a long period of time which i didn't um this particular one was wrapped up and when he hung it in the drawing room of his house his parents unfortunately came to visit that afternoon and they were observing it and shortly after that his mother passed away. Upon So it was a tragedy that they figure was coincidental because his parents were elderly and thought maybe we just didn't know that she had a heart condition until he too passed away. So now both parents are dead. Uh, his wife had a very uneasy unhe- feeling from the lithograph. She picked it up and told him to put it in the antique shop. She didn't want it anywhere in the house. So he did that. But then the next day she comes out to dust. She came home early from work and sees the lithograph hanging again on the wall. So she calls him. At the antique store and says, I thought you told me, Sam, that um, you took the lithograph to the antique store. And he's at the antique store. He moves away from his desk holding the phone. He looks in the other part of the store, an adjacent um, room, and there's the lithograph hanging. And he said, yeah, I did. I'm looking right at it right at it right now it's hanging on the wall in the next room and she was stunned she said what do we have here because i'm looking at it where we are at home so explain that (laughs) so it, it made a doppelganger of itself it made a doppelganger of itself
1: oh my god that's strange
0: It got to the point where he had to go to his, his parents owned a separate home that was like a vacation home. They were liquidating the assets of the parents and because he was the oldest child, he was in charge of it. He decided one late afternoon he was going to drive over with the lithograph in the car to remove it from the antique store permanently because now he was having... Financial problems at the antique store. He tried to burn it on the fireplace, and the thing hopped out. <laughs> he tried to tear it up, and uh, it wouldn't tear. It actually played a little bit with his head.
1: He oh my God!
0: Was becoming unhinged, progressively unhinged.
1: Oh, and oh then, my God!
0: Yeah, and, and then he tried to bury it. Oh, really, and he tried to bury. He he did everything he could to try oh to. Oh my it.
1: god, <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. I, that sounds like a nightmare, you know. And but I, you hear that about cursed items. Once it's in the, someone's possession, it's hard to get, or not even cursed, haunted items, or or either or like the, it, once it's in someone's possession, it's hard to get. Right. They have to. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I remember I go back to Art Bell because I I remember listening to that. His his wife. Actually, if you remember, do you did you ever listen to Art Bell at all?
0: I have listened to his successor, I believe. um, By the time I was made aware of Coast to Coast, it was George Knapp.
1: Or george nori yeah but it's george, there's george nap and george nori well yeah. what i was going to say is art bell's wife was um from the philippines she was her name was ramona and mm-hmm. she was she was also a witch so she did all kinds of things she did like dowsing and stuff but she um basically uh she they, they someone sent him a cursed doll one time he talked about right. it on the radio and he said she knew exactly what to do she took the doll and put salt on it and did some mm-hmm. kind of weird juju on it and like Threw it in the dumpster. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I guess that would work if uh, you know. I mean, they always say salt, holy water. Um, you know, sage. Those are the and sage does cleanse the environment. I do know is, that.
1: Is Wicca big in your in in Philippine culture? Is it um? Is it like? Or is it kind of like look down on taboo like it is here?
0: Uh, Wicca is very taboo in the Philippines because it's a Roman Catholic nation. But uh, what I understand is that there's certain parts of it that are pretty remote um, where, you know, there are people who try to heal through Wicca. Um, they have a distinctive name for them. They, they're witch doctors that, you know, they put a poultice together, say a prayer over it, and then put it on the person who's sick. Expecting them to get well, so I think it's more like the old medicinal ways before doctors came aboard
1: That's that's yeah, it's that's, that's, that's so cool. Um, I, I, was, I was gonna say we've been about fifteen minutes Did you want to just talk about portals before we finish up and uh, and and, and sure. that way we go over all your books?
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, Portal was the very first book I've ever written Uh, That's actually a second edition that you're looking at at this point. Uh, That was born out of all the investigations and accounts that people had shared with me, Uh, not just in the area of Pennsylvania, uh, also while I was with the Mutual UFO Network and after I traveled through all kinds of places. So it is part autobiographical. can't talk anymore, autobiographical in the first half of the book. And then the second half, it delves into all different kinds of accounts. So it was my probably first effort to write something that was an anthology.
1: You, you 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 made me curious about something. You said you were with MUFON, so that makes me think, is there UFO accounts in the book as well?
0: Yes, there is. Yes basically that's everything true. paranormal there's even a bigfoot account in there somewhere
1: that's so cool so i mean do you think that portals can kind of just show up anywhere or do you think it depends on the energy and ley lines or what are your thoughts if you had to speculate
0: if i had to speculate i i know ley lines have something to do with it but there are certain openings tears in the fabric of reality that are more pronounced in certain places than others like you've heard about the Bermuda Triangle you've probably heard about the uh, triangle and I'm trying to remember what it's called it's in Massachusetts
1: Bridgewater Triangle
0: The Bridgewater Triangle and then you talked about uh, an area that's in the body of water off of the coast of Coronado Island Um, there's all kinds of, and then there's the Sona de Silencia with the is, Alaskan
1: Triangle too. That, that and the Alaskan
0: triangle. So you've got all kinds of very strange areas all over the planet. Uh Canok Chase in the UK is another one where you could encounter all kinds of beings just by strolling through Canok Chase.
1: Oh, that is so cool. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, But uh, where were we going with that? Um, The the triangle is is, do you think that's like because of ley lines or like uh, energy? Or did we
0: talk about that? That's a good question. I, I think that basically there's some overlap somewhere between different dimensions in there. And some are thinner than others. The veil has been pierced for some reason. Or maybe that's just the way the earth presents itself. It's kind of like human skin. There's parts of your skin that are probably calloused. And some that are thinner than others, you know, I I think that's what you're looking at with the layers of reality that's, you know, on on the surface of the planet and under the planet. When you think about uh, Shasta, Mount Shasta, that's another portal right there.
1: Yeah, you know what? I need to do more research on that. Like I've heard about Mount Shasta, but I heard like you know like so. So I have a subscriber. She's really awesome. Um, she's from Ethiopia, and she she would she lives out west, and she she tells me about Mount Shasta a lot. She said it's a very magical place.
0: hmm Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it is
1: yeah um so let me think if i have any other questions for you um is there anything else you wanted to cover before we finish up tonight i'm just having such a fun time talking i just wanna i didn't know if we missed anything
0: well it, it looks like we only have a few minutes i wanted to say uh people can contribute their own stories because you never know sometime in the future i might put together another anthology so i welcome stories from people they can reach out to me through my website simply by emailing me info Manalo, I think that's how you came over uh, my way through the uh, website.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, they can also subscribe to the website because I do periodically uh, do some updating on the blog to let people know the next release or any type of special offer on my books um i can also be found on facebook um believe it or not i still have a twitter account i'm also on instagram and i'm pretty visible on tiktok so any kind of uh you know i i'm not on linkedin i need to qualify that not every social media but i'm LinkedIn. the same way
1: yeah i'm, I'm not on linkedin <laughs> either. i'm on all the other ones but i don't do that uh, but th- I'll tell you what, th- this has been really fascinating. I was, I, you know, I, I I was really excited about this and it turned out to be, I think it turned out to be excellent. Excellent stories and you're an excellent writer and uh, wow, th- we'll have to do this again when your next book comes out. Yes, we do.
0: I'd be glad to come back.
1: All right. Well, it was nice meeting you and thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Robert. Have a good night. Right.